0: Still more glorious dawn awaits, not a sunrise, but a galaxy All right, here we are with Exalted, another off topic. Today we talk about the Infernal Exalted. I am Devin, and we have Peter. So, the Infernal Exalts, the Green Sun Princes, uh, Champions of Malthus. Yep. That is our exalt to cover today. The Villain Splat number three. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Villain Splat number three. Before we get into shittiness, though, I guess we have to define our terms here. So, the Infernal Mm. Exalts are a Solaroid. Much like the Abyssals, they are taken from Solar Exaltations and charged with the power of the Yozis in Maltheus, and that's what gives them power. Yep. So, um, as per the story from the Abyssals, the Solars were sealed away um, at the Usurpation... And then the Neverborn and the Yozis collaborated to free them. And then some Solar Exaltations were given to the Yozis. The Yozis then invested them with their infernal power. And now you have Solars that also gain a lot of the, all of their power from the Yozis, specifically the five um, plotting Yozis that set this up—the quote-unquote reclamation Yozis—who we'll be covering today. In they're the only ones we'll really touch on because they're the only ones that really matter right now because if we go back we'll cover the rest of them later so they were Adrian the Silent Wind with the most unfortunate fucking name they could have given this Yoshi. the Silent Wind
1: <laughs> well it's, it used to be Adrian the, the River of Torments.
0: yeah but... it used to be something else but they called it the Fart Yoshi. like <laughs> come silent, on the Silent but Deadly Fart she is literally Silent but de- Deadly yep like, she's a wind that blows through Malpheus. So she blows Malpheus, kills every single thing the wind touches, and she's driven off by noise, which is why everyone's loud in Malpheus. Yep. I can't... Who didn't catch this? Maybe that's a joke. God damn it. Anyway, the next one is Ceceline the Endless Desert. Uh, she's a big, giant desert that border, that is inside Malpheus and also outside of it and borders it from everything else. Yeah um and she's kind of the religious Yoshi. Yep. Like Adran is um just a murderer. So yeah. Um, it's fast. Uh but yeah, she's kind of the religious Yosi. Yeah. She she her her kind of purview is laws and lawmaking and desolation. She's all about <laughs> destroying institutions of man, institutions of emotion, and religion and stuff and making them yeah. perverse.
1: Yeah, so she's the Endless Desert. I guess she did actually touch the Infinity, but she's not telling anyone what she found there, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's whatever.
1: (laughs) And uh, also her priests are the only ones that can talk for all the Yozis, because normally only the fetish soul can talk for the Yozis they're part of, but not anyone else. So it's like, this is the wheel of the Ebon Dragon, and so on. Weird.
0: Speaking of him, we have the Ebon Dragon, the Shadow of All Things. So he's a sadistic prick that... (coughs) See, we're running we're right into the same problem we ran into with Abyssals. We can talk about the interesting things about these characters, but we'd also have to talk about the canon 1st and 2nd edition incarnations of them, which were garbage. <laughs> it's the same problem as Abyssals and the Death Lords. So, the Evan Dragon is... Um, his purview is uh, uh, taboos. Like, not not things like... I don't know, stuff like, ooh, marrying your cousin, or, ooh, uh... uh you know, no. supping power from nonsense or being villainous. That's not his thing. His thing is things that are antithetical to the standard norm on like a big scale. So, for example, when the Yo- when the Titans came into being and uh, the, the Ebon Dragon was the Shadow that was or the Shadow that is, whatever his name was before he shadow was the, the Ebon Dragon. dragon the Shadow of the Dragon. Yeah. When he was that... Because his nature is taboo and, and defining himself as things that shouldn't be explored, he was actually tied into oblivion and the underworld and death and necromancy before it even existed. Yep. That's the kind of shit he seeks out. Oh, yeah. He's basically the antithesis of all virtues. He's the opposite uh, of uh, Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yep. Yeah. But it's not. It's so bad. Because yeah. basically, um, the Ebon Dragon was, was like. I needed something to define me. So The Unconquered Son was made and it's like everything The Unconquered Son is, I am not. Yeah. Which means that he's like the opposite of The Unconquered Son, has none of the virtues he has. Which yeah. sounds really dumb. Because yeah. it means that he's a coward and he's flint-skinned and he doesn't know how what compassion is. And yeah. it, it's really badly written and it has a lot of messiness to it. But Well, what I like about how you describe that...
1: He wants to become the strongest, but not by bettering himself, by making everybody else weak. Yeah. So he'd cripple you or whatever, and then he'd be triumphant because, like, "Ah, I'm the fastest because I broke everybody's
0: legs. Exactly. He has nuances that are interesting to look at. It's just because of how Second Edition was written and because of how fans of the game are, it's turned into a meme where he's like a cackling Saturday morning villain voiced by Tim Curry yeah where he's just going around like he like people people even fucking say because he's such a betrayer that he would even betray himself and his own plans just to be able to betray himself and fail because he's that sexually addicted to betraying people uh,
1: that would be like a bit of Thanatos in the infinity gauntlet saga really about that basically he will undermine himself or because i don't know, believe in himself
0: yeah but that's the Evan Dragon. He is baggage. They all baggage. Then you got Malphius. Malphius is the big man, the the king of the Yozis, king of the world. Yep. And he's actually the the body, the the form that all the other Yozis are imprisoned inside of. His body's the prison that he himself is imprisoned in. Yep. Because the only thing big and strong, the only thing big enough and strong enough to hold Malphius is Malphius. So all of Malphius is folded inside Malphius. All include the other Yozis too. Yep. Um, Malthus, so, um, his shtick is rulership, tyranny. Yeah. Um, he's a big asshole. He doesn't have a concept of other people's opinions. So yeah. if you try to have an opinion that's your own, he doesn't understand that your opinion wouldn't be his opinion, and he gets furious when you try to express it. Yeah. So he used to be what holy tyrant or something like that. Uh, yeah. Th- yeah. That's that's correct. That's all in the lore. Yeah.
1: So basically, he used to, I think, be the last primordial. that didn't have a form, and that's how he lorded over everybody because. He could be anything, and now he hates that
0: he has a form. A lot of self-loathing in the Titans. Yeah.
1: Plus also, some weirders of the like, apparently he used to have two fetish souls because they had to slay one. Okay, so prison.
0: the story behind the fetish soul thing is every Yozzi has a fetish soul for their third, third circle soul that defines them. If it dies, they format into a new Yozzi, or yep. a new Titan. And because of writing, people wrote that his current fetish soul, Lydger the Green Son of Malpheus, yep. Existed when uh, yeah. Malpheus was a Titan and Lidger was Lidger, because Liger was the sun they patterned the unconquered sun off of. Yep. If you want to reference back to our Luna episode and why Luna is superfluous because there's so many other things that are just the opposite of the sun, yep. you have Liger, the green son of Malpheus, which the sun's a copy of, and they have the Ebon Dragon who helped make the unconquered sun and it defined him as the opposite. Yep. So these are two things that are the different opposites of the and sun. And the darkness and Luna. And yeah. else. And, and then the other moons inside of Malpheus and all that shit. Yes. So, Malpheus and Lyger are fairly important to the lore. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of their thing. Yeah, they, so, they, they were instrumental in the sun. Yeah, so,
1: because of that, they had to exist in this form back when the creature created. But then also they mentioned that, oh, the fetish soul of the king of the Yozis was slain to make Malpheus. Therefore... Malthus had to have some other fetish souls slain that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah,
0: because basically, and this is some of the devs for Exalted have talked yeah. about this, like not like the lead devs, like I think Shadow yeah. had to mention this, but basically how it worked in, in the freelancer pump and dump days of White Wolf where they just pump out books for whatever, is someone would come in with a shaky understanding of the lore. They would just add in their own crazy bullshit and then if nobody caught it in time, it would become canon. <laughs> so Malthus having two fetish souls was a little bit of grammatical inconsistency, you know, a clerical error that other people saw and then ran with and made canon. So Malfius could possibly generate a new fetish soul.
1: Well, it's more like that. Someone written that, Oh, Malfius soul was killed and we still have litter. Therefore he had to have two souls.
0: Exactly. It's like, okay, no, his soul probably didn't die in the war. Then that's that passage is probably wrong. Can we just, no, we can't, we have to fucking laser in on this written on the page thing. Read it as written. Really Raw. (sighs) Yeah, And the last one is She Who Lives in Her Name, The Principle of Hierarchy. Her whole her whole shtick is also kind of laws, but more like physics and how reality works, and she hates free will. And she has two things going for her that really make creation, the, the setting of Exalted suck. The first is, she is was originally a thousand spheres orbiting a hundred spheres mm-hmm. with uh, quantum fire inside of it. And then, at the end of the war, because it was logical, because she's a robot Vulcan, she was like, you have beaten us in the war. We are all surrendering. I'm going to help you, Exalted, run creation. And the Exalted was like, no, that's bullshit. We're going to throw you in prison. And she's like, what? And flipped out and cracked three of her spheres, called the Three Spheres Cataclysm which erased 90% of all concepts that exist in creation. So there was like, you know, seven different types of gravity and a billion years of history and 80,000 different races and exalt types and incarna. Yeah. And they're all wiped away by Cecily and the Three Spheres Cataclysm. It's fucking stupid. Don't don't listen to it, guys. Well,
1: as a concept, it's interesting that because of this, you cannot have
0: any definitive history of anything before the end of the Primal World. Yeah, is. but just time can be really long, and that can also do it. We don't know what happened in Africa before we left. We're still figuring that out today, and that wasn't that long ago. No, but well,
1: you have, like, the maidens that know everything that happens in fade, You
0: have have a kind of sound, blah, blah, blah. So who cares if they know? <laughs> you're not going to talk to them. Well, what are they going to do? What are you going to do in a game? Like, in a game with a GM and five, four other players, you're going to be like, and now I sit down with the unconquered sun, and you, the GM, have to tell me every single thing that's ever happened in history from the dawn of time all the way up to this day. Go. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not important. And even if it was, even if something as ludicrous as that happened, then you play Exalted again. And he's like, I'm going to use this lore that you said in the last game. It's like that lore I said in the last game? Different game, different creation. That None no, of that's valid. And he's like, oh. Don't metagame, yo. Don't metagame. Like, for, I, I don't recall what the rationalization for the Three Spheres Cataclysm was. But it is, I think because mm-hmm. everything else has been a fact but this is the part where I'm going to say his opinion I think it's fucking stupid that's one half of what she who lives in her name brings to the table as far as dumb goes the other half is her name <laughs> her name is she who lives in her name which most people truncate to swilm, swiln, s-w-i-l-n <laughs> but she who lives in her name eats up so much fucking word count <laughs> like writing out she who lives in her name Made book writing for the Yozis in first definition a nightmare because her name is fucking six le- words long.
1: Yeah, actually, I was reading the, the first time I was like getting into it, I was thinking, oh, usually she's like listed with all the, the ones that are like, oh, Cecily, she who lives in there. I was thinking that that was a subtitle of Cecily. Yeah,
0: Cecily subtitle was She Who Lives in Her Name. Nope. You know, Cecily, who lives
1: in Cecily, the desert Cecily, and everybody lives in the desert. That, that makes made sense to me, really, the first time. Yeah, right?
0: I, I, I think I thought the same thing, too, by the yeah. way. I was like, who's she who lives in her name? Is that Orimus? I what? don't know. Is that who Malpheus is? She who lives in her name? Because Malpheus lives inside of Malpheus? I didn't know any better. But uh, if you were to sign a personality she lives in her name, most people use Shodan or GLaDOS. Yeah. She's a little bit like that. So we ragged on these guys a bit and vaguely defined them. But these are the five Yosis out of all the other Yozis in Malpheus, And there's like 30 or 40 of them. Yep. Who are like, fuck this shit. And this is second edition. We need to break out of Malpheus. <laughs> so they got their green sun princes. They got their evil solars. And then, because we have to talk about this, because we're talking about Exalted and we're talking about the additions. Yep. We get to Lilin. Okay, so before we get into Lilith, because fuck everything, (laughs) Exalted has freelancers. Yep. And the freelancers often do not communicate with each other. And because White Wolf was pumping and dumping as many books as possible and not putting them through quality control, anything goes if the editor didn't catch it. (laughs) So there were two teams for the Infernals book when it was coming out. Good team and Rapist team. (laughs) Now, right? I should point out that <laughs> rapist team was one person, one man, whose name I actually got, and I've forgotten it, so I'm not going to try and make up a name. But it was actually one person who was an illustrator for Exalted. And he's like, oh, do the first two chapters of Infernal's. And he, I basically uh, took out a tub of lube and said, you got it. <laughs> so that brings us to Lilin. And this is something that shows up in the first two chapters of Infernal. And this is something that's going to piss people off. So, the Scarlet Empress had a daughter named Lillian. And Lilan snuck her way into the Imperial Mance to follow the Scarlet Empress. And saw shit she wasn't supposed to see. So she sold Lilan to the Ebon Dragon and the Yozis in exchange for secrets. Because eventually you'll find out that the Scarlet Empress in 2nd edition is the bride of the Ebon Dragon. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? <laughs> Actually, we'll probably come back to it. Spoilers. With... We'll come back to this probably yeah. at the end after... <laughs> We're done talking about Infernals. After we can fucking talk about Infernals. Yeah, This is the most... shame. This is one of the most shameful things in Exalted lore history. People have written articles about it. And, like, it, it destroyed a lot of the fan base stuff. And, like, it really fucked with Exalted when this got printed. And people saw what they just paid money for. Mm-hmm. So Lillyn, who is, like, eight, nine, got sold to the Yozis. So the Yozis did stuff to her body... And her soul with magic and with, like, their bodies. And only way a creepy rapist could write this stuff, because she was basically raped by demons. And became this big, bloated, mutated Cronenberg thing called the chrysalis, uh, the flattery womb. Mm-hmm. Where, that's where all the exaltations are stored. They're stored inside <laughs> this giant woman who's been bloated up like in the movie Slither. Jeez. And she's, again, a kid. <sighs> so... What happens is the Yozis find someone they want to exalt an in Infernal. They send a demon to Lilin. The demon does stuff to Lilin, and then it comes out and then it goes into Lilin and then leaves alone a couple times, and now it has an infernal shard inside of it and a tether. And then it goes into creation, goes to the mortal that they want to pick, who usually exalts by failing. Um Usually they'll they'll find someone who would have exalted at that moment by succeeding, or they at the last moment turned away or ran away or became a coward or just they didn't live up to their expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Infernal, the Yozis will even engineer these scenarios. And they'll go up to them after they failed and they've seen that they could have been a hero and they didn't. They'll be like, hey, you want free unlimited power? And they'll be like, yeah, I want free unlimited power. And then the Yozis, or the, the, the demon that has a shard in it will like absorb them and it'll become a cocoon and they'll hatch and be an Infernal. Yep. But we're not done talking about Lilan. Lilan's where they store the shards. Lilin lives in the Infernal compound in Malathias. And like a bunch of stupid shit surrounding Lillen Hap Lilan is about because the infernals all think she's a mother. Like they all treat her like she's a mother or a matriarch or like a sister. But like, and, and they say this in the first two chapters of the book. I, I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. It's exhausting to have to explain this or talk about it every fucking time. So one thing infernals will do, you know, you being an exult who's a product of rape, by the way, you're the rape baby exalt. <laughs> I'm so frustrated with how many times I have to say the word rape in describing this eggs all time. So frustrated. I have to say it once for Abyssals. Is if you're having arguments with other Infernals, what they tell you your character does is you guys have competitions to see who can have sex with Lilan the longest. Unconsensional sex. <laughs> and whoever doesn't pass out first wins. That's just a common thing you did in your character's backstory. If you're playing Infernal, you've done this a few times. Because, the... you know, fuck you. Okay. Fuck you. And, and there's more. It goes on and on, and there's more of this bullshit in Infernals, and it is the worst thing ever. It's like, what does this bring to the table really? It, literally, they hired one art they gave one artist the capacity to write, and this guy is some sort of sicko. And whatever editors were involved, uh could go fuck themselves because they didn't fucking stop this. It's like
1: if there's one being that holds all the shards and mafia, yes, why aren't there like 99 sidereals just on it to kill it to you know take it apart so it doesn't
0: happen anymore? It's like, yeah, there are logistical problems with Lil' but that is not that's not the first thing on the table here. Well, I was skimming the materials, I didn't even notice that so. most people take it out literally it's a meme because every time people bring up Infernals because Infernals are cool in this episode listeners after we get past the trigger warnings you will find (laughs) that Infernals were a really cool thing to be brought to the table but there's so much bullshit mining where people are like oh don't read the first two chapters of Infernals and I'm like no read it read it (laughs) this is exactly why we need a third edition this shit is everywhere in Exalted this weird thing fetishy violent stuff that like there's no point to it like it's it's needlessly edgy it is like it's like someone saw early 90s white wolf and all the crazy shit like publishing a book about the holocaust and we're like <laughs> yeah let's be like that but they had none of the tact or style and yeah. the 90s had long since passed yeah it, it is such a horrible thing that taints this really cool character concept so if you're playing in exalted in second edition because that's the only where the infernals are introduced uh spoiler alert uh it's just full of rain (laughs) probably you probably don't want to yeah anyway so the infernals grab some shards turn them into green sun princes uh throw them inside lilin and then go exalting people yep so from there you have your infernal exalted now Whereas Solars and Abyssals draw their power from the maximum human potential and basically have abilities, Infernals brought something completely new to the table. All of their charms only had an essence requirement. No other ability or prerequisite. Mm-hmm. And all of their charm trees were based on the yosi that they were the patron of. So your charms that you were buying from the Malthus tree, and this is something else weird they added in. The charms you were buying were literal charms that the yosis had and used. So when you're buying charms from the Malfius tree. Those are charms Malfius has, mm-hmm. and if you invent new charms for the Malfius tree, Malfius gains those charms. Now this this gets weird in a lot of places, and we'll we'll start to get into that with like devil tigers and shit. But basically, they changed how inf- how the Yosies worked in Second Edition. So that instead of being a collection of hierarchy of demons that represented different aspects of personality and thematics of that Yozi, instead, instead of being all of that, the Yozi instead were represented as living charm trees. Mm-hmm. All the different charms represented different aspects and switches in their personality and how they thought and acted and felt. So if you're looking at the charm tree in the book, that's a map to how the primordial how the Yosi would act. Yep. Which is interesting, mm-hmm. but as with all things in 2nd edition, it was taken to an extreme that became medic and became pointless.
1: I was thinking that like if the Yozis are the charms they are, and you invent new charms and they get switched into Yozis, does that mean you can influence what the Yozis yeah, is? Yeah, this is of literally one of the first charm. thing people yeah. thought of
0: doing. Yeah. So instead of Lidger telling you how Malthus acted, mm-hmm. you got to tell Malthus how he acted by having his charms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Yeah, um, we can talk about infernals now. Finally, yeah. So their charms were different and weird. Um, they were they were kind of a breath of fresh air after abyssals were so dour. Because infernals are actually fun mm-hmm. and interesting once you got past the rape. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, infernals have are, are just more fun to be. Like you have unrestricted access to your first age memories. And some of the thematic baggage with the infernals is that you're basically. You can just play a first-age solar-type character. Someone who's as decadent and tyrannical and death-clocky as a first-age solar. And have all the powers of the Yozies to back you up. Whereas Abyssals and Solars kind of had fleeting first-age memories. You just have all of them. There. Ready to go. Yep. And you serve the Yozis, And the Yozis want to break out of Malpheus. And they even have a plot and finish on how to. And this, of course just like in 1st edition with the Neverborn and the Abyssals and the Death Knights, or the Death Lords, turned Infernals from an interesting, cool new character concept into the Villain Splat, who worked for the new supervillains, whose plans to leave Malphius truncate Trump every single plan you would have for your game and every single single plot point. How could you focus on three river nations at war and the the trials and tribulations and the romance inside when in two years the Maliosies were going to get free and destroy the world? (laughs) and you could be like oh well you don't have to make a can it's like well fuck you don't write it then if you're gonna tell us oh you don't have to use it then don't put it in there especially when we just went through an edition where we didn't want that and it's also came just after people were sick of the metaplot stuff from world of darkness and vampire fucking back off (laughs) this came to its apex in a book they released called the return of the scarlet empress which was an end-of-the-world book detailing how the Yosis will get free, how the Evan Dragon will betray them and be the only one to get out, how he destroys the world and betrays the Scarlet Empress, how he he kills the Unconquered Sun in a cutscene and all 100 sidereals with a minus X where X is your party members that are (laughs) sidereals, and how everything falls apart in a cutscene. In a cutscene. Yeah. It is... Lillan is just a... Ter- Lillan is an offensively bad thing written in Exalted. Return of the Scarlet Empress actively destroys agency and the whole point of it being a role-playing game. It strips away your ability to have impacted choices because what, what point is there in making your own creation where everything happens as you want it and like you know, you make all these big strides and change the world as only Gilgamesh-era heroes can. What's the point of advertising the game like that when at the end of the day the devs are just going to write up their own cutscene for how the world's going to end anyway, and that's how you have to play it. And if you don't play it, then, you know, there's always this thing in the back of the head it's like, oh, you you did homebrew. You, you invented your own story <laughs> instead of going by what the books say. That, that's fine. You know, you struck out on your own. You know, you colored outside the lines. It's like, <laughs> Why not just produce good player aids that make the world more engaging and more, more of like a, like a like an adventure to explore, you know, like a treasure to unlock, instead of putting us on rails every single fucking edition. Mm-hmm. It was a culmination of fatigue. Like Return of the Scarlet Empress, much like Star Trek Nemesis and Enterprise, killed the franchise. Like once Return of the Scarlet Empress came out, people stopped caring at all and and only books there were some books released after and i don't remember exactly where they lined up but there were probably four really good books released around that time that just changed everything and were positive changes and one of them was masters of jade it had nothing to do with world domination end of the world plots or anything masters of jade was a book about economics and how mercantilism works and it's like a really in-depth primer on how the economics of slavery and the economics of spice trade and the economics of, uh, of war and drugs work. You know, the opium wars. Like it's a primer into all these very real things that, you know, it didn't give you a secret plot line about the Evan Dragon having a third wife or some stupid shit. It it told Yeah, you can drink it. It told you how to better Show something in your world that would be interesting and was universal for any direction or any game you were playing. Any game would have benefited from Masters of Jade explaining to you how a, how a guild like the guild would run, and what and what would you know break branch off from that. You know, it it added, and the other books were the the two autopathonia books, which even now, if if for as much as I despise Second Edition and how terrible the mechanics are. You could play Second Edition Alchemicals in Autocathonia, and not only are the rules super balanced, super well put together, but the setting is so rich, evocative, and well done. And this was Holden that did this. Like Holden, and I think Mork were the guys that did the Autocathonia books and Shards of the Exalted Dream and Masters of Jade. Like this was their chops showing off here uh, before Third Edition took over and other things took hold. But you could play Second Edition Alchemicals right now. And it would be a fun game that is comprehensive and logical and doesn't go off the deep end. And the settings themselves are are very robust. But Return of the Scarlet Empress? That was the end of creation. It was done. People didn't have stories. And the fourth book to showcase this was Shards of the Exalted Dream. A PDF-only book that was released that gave you alternate realities to creation. One being Battlestar Galactica, one being um, like a Gonzo Dune thing, kind of like Jodorowsky's uh, Incall uh, called um, Heaven's Reach. One, which was a kung fu action movie called uh, Burn Legend, where Lunars were like dojo owners and Infernals were evil dojo, evil dojo people, and the souls were the returning kung fu godfathers of a soul, you know, ready to beat the shit out of stuff, like a fighting game. It was basically Street Fighter mixed with 80s slash 70s martial arts movies. Um, and what was the other setting they had? A modern setting with motorcycles and guns, which was cool. Yeah. They turned Alchemicals into the Giver. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Good. But no one went back to creation. That was it. We were done. Yep. Um, so that, like, we have to cover the Return of the Scarlet Empress and all that shit to you to understand the, the climate when Infernals came out. Because Infernals are getting a page one rewrite for third edition. So... Before we talk about what probably, what we can we can kind of predict are the core themes, we need to talk about what comes before. So these sound like tangents, listener, I know, but this is just what it was like when Infernals came out. And Infernals came out when Exalta was in a bit of a slump,
1: mm-hmm. and they
0: revitalized everything. Like, them coming out changed the game. They were a new Exalt type. Yep. They were the only new Exalt type in 2nd edition. You know, people are like, "I don't know if I like a new exalt type." That's crazy, and it's like, "Fuck off!" You even had these people in first edition when they're releasing alchemicals or they're talking about um, abyssals. They're like, "I don't know." That kind of breaks the dynamic of solars. So it's like, "Shut the fuck up!" Enjoy the ride, Enjoy fucking the ride. people. It's the same people that talk about how they're adding Limitals and gatimions and Exigents. not in my creation. It's like, okay. asshole. The lore and the setting for Exalted in third edition are written with the preconceived, with with the baked-in idea that these Exalt types not only exist, but they've been there forever. So, hey, whatever you want to do, man, this is how creation works now. You don't live here, they live here. <laughs> uh, um, so Infernal's, like, really revitalized a bunch of shit. You know, we just talked about this in an off-topic that came out uh, not too long ago, actually. Uh, the fan-made Exalt... Uh, Off topic. Because it talks about the homebrew. And Infernals reinvigorated the homebrew scene when they came in. Because they showed you different ways of building charms. Mm -hmm. But uh, Infernals get powerful fast. Have a wide variety of abstract and all-encompassing charms. Like Excellencies and Exalted. So the Solar Excellency, right? You take it for one of your 26 abilities. You know, melee. And you get to add dice to your melee. Mm -hmm. The Malfian Excellency. You get to add... All of your dice, or sorry, you get to add dice to any action you take that falls under mm-hmm. Malpheus's thematic purview. It was very soft and very um, broad, broad. Like, like you you could do fuzzy logic with the excellence scene. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. That was a game changer. No one had done that before. That was cool. Yeah. Um, the Malfian charms and and the the, the charms for the five reclamation Yosis were all over the place. Like Malpheus had endurance and war, and craft, and presence. Like, he had all these different things wrapped into him. Cecilyne's, uh had stuff called Mind Hand Manipulation, or she lives in her name, name had stuff like called Mind Hand Manipulation, where you use telekinesis as a weapon. Uh, Cecilyne had uh, Transcendent Desert Creature, or whatever. I don't know what it was called. Like, des- Desolation Creature, which was... You make like like locusts and insects, and you create areas of desolation under Cecilyne's name, that Countess Malpheus and the endless desert. <laughs> and you feed people locusts, and they take them on, and you like can uh, uplift them and mute- give them mutations from Cecilyne to make them more survivable in areas of you know spiritual and physical desolation. And it had a wish granting tree, where if people wished for stuff from you, you could grant their wish, but also hold them at a price. So you could grant people extra dots and charms and mutations at a whim. It was fucking crazy. Uh, and, and the Evan Dragon's charms. He could mimic people. You could take on what was called Nemesis form—a Nude or whatever. And basically when you're fighting someone, you begin to copy them. You take on their intimacies. You understand who they are. And then eventually you shapeshift into being their double and fight them as a mirror match. They were so weird, man. Yep. Like like beforehand the newest all was like abyssals, and abyssals' shtick was they're like solars. See the solar core book to see all of the abyssal charms that you've already bought as a solar, but with a death theme. And Lunars yep. were fucking broken and they had to take knacks and shit, and sidereals were underwhelming because they only went up to Essence 3 because they got sidereal martial arts, but that was but that didn't matter because that was only worked if you were a combat character. Yep. No other Exalt type was this interesting. You know, to have all these weird... like, Because solars, solars weren't allowed to have powers like that. Solars have to be within the purview of human excellence. And they were the best at what they did. You know, it even says in the, in the core book, a Solar can't invent a charm where their mouth turns into a tentacle, flies off their face, and drinks someone's blood to gain back essence. That's not how it works. Same with Abyssals. They had to fo- follow the Solar the- theme as well. Mm-hmm. But Infernals... <clears throat> oh dog infernals could back when infernals came out they could do anything you know someone's like i want to be alex mercer from prototype infernal and someone's like but doesn't that take away from the lunar shape shape, shifting thematic that guy got punched in the mouth (laughs) you know (laughs) uh what cool thing do you want to be you want to be the anti-spiral from gurn logging infernal you want to be this cool hero from this anime infernal that's all anyone ever did they were just like, yeah, let's make all of the heroes we love infernals. You know, Saber from Fate Stay Night. She's an infernal. You know, like, everyone loved their shit because they were cool. They mm-hmm. were the, the, the meme people threw around for them was rock stars. They had members of the first stage. They were tyrannical. Um, the the enemies of the setting gave you props and powers, and demons treated you like fucking royalty and Malthus. And nobody said anathema. We hate you. You have to cover your cast mark when you came out of the, the cocoon. You looked and mutated. Whatever that demon was, it squirreled itself into your soul and became your familiar, like in uh, Vampire Hunter D, <laughs> and would like give you advice and tell you things. And you would look like a mix between you and a demon. Like you'd look like uh, the one of those jade lions or one of those. Uh, jeweled wasps and yourself so you could look cool and customized in a way that Solars and Abyssals couldn't.
1: Yep.
0: You didn't have to hide that you were an infernal. You had all these resources, and you had all the resources that you could have gotten as an Abyssal, except the Yozis seemingly gave you a way wider leash. And if they didn't, you could tell them to go fuck themselves. Yep. Like, Infernals were such a breath of fresh air that people were pretty happy with them. And then... The Broken Winged Crane dropped. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this was before Broken Winged Crane even occurred. So, the thing about being being Infernal is you're this big, powerful dude who's, like, all cool and takes on the power of the Yozis and stuff, right? But if you're working for the Reclamation and to free the Yozis, if you're working for the Prime, for the Titans, you're a fucking chump. You're an idiot. Because yeah. the first thing, first thing the Yozis will do, and this is canon. Once they escape from Malpheus, it is kill you. (laughs) Because they hate you. They don't love you. They don't think you're cool. The the devs have said over and over again, you draw your power from the people that murdered and mutilated them. And that same power was used to imprison them. And because they've been weakened, they had to exalt you to do this work. Because they can do it themselves. So you have power that they don't have? That makes them hate you. And, and the, even the thought, for Malthus, from Malthus' perspective, you know, the giant, the, the uber-tyrant, for him to even think that you would ever even consider that he would feel grateful to you makes him hate more... It makes him hate with more energy in a billion suns going supernova in one second than you have the capacity to hate in your entire life. Be Helden to a fucking mortal exalted because he's been mutilated in Weekend go fuck yourself
1: yeah I think people say that if you're rooting for the Yozis in this setting then you're either a religious fanatic you're a chum or you're a madman
0: all three yeah like being religiously fanatical to the Yozis is stupid because yeah. the only people who should be religiously fanatical are mortals if you're a, if you're a green sun prince you're kind of you're royalty now you're almost their equals yep yeah. You're not fanatical to them. You're fanatical to you.
1: You're an idiot.
0: Yeah. You've made. With all this power you've been given, you've played yourself. Now. Then we move on to the Broken Winged Crane, which sought to change the game yet again. So the Broken Winged Crane introduced, you know, Kimbery's charm set and Isidore's charm set. Oh, cool. More Yosis to pick from. Awesome. Yeah. But then it started talking about. Triumphant howl of the devil tiger. Yep. Now this is where exalda once again uh, shits its own pants and smears it all over the bus. Jesus Christ! Because, and we'll explain why. But let's talk about the cool triumphant howl of the devil tiger. Was a charm tree you could take that started at essence six. So beyond the scope of any game ever. But there were a series of charms you could take that were, um, they were called heresy charms. And if the Yoseis figured out that you had learned them or taken them, they'd kill you. Yep. But these heresy charms let you push off the yokes the Yoseis had put onto your exaltation. So your your great curse is what's called a villainous urge, because the writers are idiots, where <coughs> you have to act like a Saturday morning cartoon villain based on whatever Yosei you've exalted from to keep your limit down. And then you have like a like 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 an urge or like a goal they give you that changes after you complete it, because they always give you a. a, a uh, an RPG quest list to basically fill out, uh-huh. but these charms let you change that to be your own. They let you rewrite your uh, your your demon familiar inside of you to be act more like you. Eventually, they let you change your cast mark. Eventually, they severed the link from Lilin. So when you died, your exaltation with its new cast mark and different like your cast ability started to change too. Would go to someone else with the the criteria that you decided. And then they would exalt as a different type of exalt that wasn't an infernal anymore. And this slowly kept piling on until eventually you created a universe inside your soul where you were starting to spawn third circle demons devoted to you and keep worshippers in there. And you basically became a mini primordial on your way to becoming a real primordial. Yep. And again, Essence 5+. plus. This went to like 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 or whatever. These were super high-end charms that you would never get in a normal game. But they fucking sparked everyone's imagination. Now every single fucking thread in Exalted was a thread of these are my new devil tiger charms. These are my new devil tiger. Oh, I'm this. I'm this. I'm like this. I'm like this from this show, this book, this novel, this music. I made one based off Queen. You know, just fucking all over the place. Mm-hmm. And as we said in the home in the in the homebrew Exalt um, episode this set off this kind of homebrew justification thing where people felt like it was encouraged to homebrew because these charms told you that you had to start making your own charms for yourself. So people were like being encouraged by the game line to homebrew all this new content. So it was pretty cool. You know, people loved that and it was a cool thing. You know, if you didn't like the Titans, you could just up and replace them and become your own world-destroying boss battle. And some of these charms culminated in what was called Shinte Charms where you become an avatar of different Yozi. Like... The one for Malpheus is you detonate in a nuclear explosion and become a 900-tall-story cosmic giant with a beating nuclear sun heart and glowing destruction eyes and a crown made of molten brass. But because the universe, um, because your ego is so big that it's crushed under its own weight, You explode into that guy for one second, and then you condense down to a man-sized version of you with all that energy being covered in, like, solidified brass that's cracking and melting and resealing with that crown and those hate eyes and that beating heart. And you run around as, like, a nine-foot-tall brass giant kicking the shit out of people with, like, a nuclear explosion as your interior organs. Yeah. Which is awesome! Yep. you know, the of uh, Shinte form is you make a copy of yourself. Because Adderan is also about the speed force from the Flash. So you move so fast, you make copies of you. And they fight for you as drones. <laughs> you know, it was all over the place. It was pretty cool shit. <clears throat> and that's, like, that's a cool thing. And we have to talk about why it sucks. Because they were Essence 5 Plus Charms. So the coolest... They devoted page count. They devoted material to the coolest thing ever and it was something that would never show up in a game of Exalted. No game's going to Essence 5+. And if they are, then they're just starting Essence 5+. Plus. So what's the point? You're already Essence 5+. Plus. <laughs> Who cares about your machinations or your plans? What, what's going to challenge you? You're going to go off into a cave? Is that what you're going to do? The game's going to start and you're going to go off into a cave and learn uh, learn heresy charms? Is that your plan?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that seems to be the thing.
0: Like... That was, that was basically what everyone had with these heresy charms and these Triumphant Howl of the Devil Tiger stuff. It's like, this is going to be so cool. But really, it was only cool to write up before the game started. And then you never used them. So all the work was kind of pointless. It was more like a thought exercise for the mechanically aptitude of people. Yeah. Like, wh- you know, unless Essence 5 games are just falling out of the sky. <laughs> but... You know, they they had their epic level handbook they released where they gave you (laughs) Dreams of the First Age, where you had a lot of essence six plus charms for all the different splats. And it's like, cool, whatever. (laughs) It really takes the wind out of your sails because it's like, who cares?
1: Well, I guess thinking about the whole uh, Demon Tigers thing, um, I've seen someone like, uh, kind of take on the teams of uh, Infernals and uh, really stunning them after the sort of greek demigods i think, I think the guy was called genj so mm-hmm. um basically like what do the pronouns want they want to escape the prison with their soul. they take their little exiles and they make them little get demigods with their Plan that eventually they'll sprout into primordials. Why don't you... No, but why don't you make them into primordials immediately? Because you don't want to have someone your equal immediately. Because if that thing grows into something you don't like, you can still kill it before it blooms into something as powerful as you. So it starts small, then you can look at it, see how it progresses. If you like it, then you let it bloom into something like yourself and possibly help you escape. Or if you don't like it, you slay it while it's still in its infancy and take another charm, and so on and so on.
0: I guess it's like an amusing idea. Yeah, it's, it's a, a thing, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to play that theory down, because that, that's cool, it's just... That still means that Infernal's entire point is... Someone mm-hmm. brought this up, actually. That This was actually a very interesting conversation that happened on the Exalted Discord one. And it was that the entire point of being an Infernal Exalt is to stop being an Infernal Exalt. <laughs> <laughs> because if you stay a real Infernal and let the Yosis out of Malpheus, they're going to kill you or lobotomize you, so you won't be an Infernal anymore. Yep. And if you don't stay loyal, to break off the Infernal connections they have to you, you become a Devil Tiger. Yep. So... Yeah. It, it was a weird thing. Because, because they made the Yosis so antagonistic to to everyone. The Yozis are in are, You you cannot have the Yozis and interesting characters in your game with the way Second Edition did them. In first edition, in Games of Divinity, the Yosis were cool. Because the first rule about the Yosis in First Edition is they can never get out of prison. They're yesterday's news. And then Games of Divinity goes on and on and all these pages tell you about how cool and and interesting and like so alien and different from us. So large and you know cosmos spanning. These giant like last of their kind, things that you could never fully comprehend, that you could talk to like people. And the stinger that is, and you in a previous life who was a caveman kicked the shit out of them. Yeah. They're they're trash.
1: They're the losers.
0: Yeah, that makes them super cool to interact with. You don't have to be afraid of them. You can go to them for advice or learn stuff or you can bargain with them because they want things. They don't want to get free. They just want stuff. They They... They want comfort, or or they want something that... Or they want an old vendetta settled, or something. Yep. They were more interesting before then, and and it's all but confirmed they're going to pull us back to that in 3rd edition, thank fucking Christ. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, what about Infernals? They're solar-level sorcerers, there's a thing. They don't get all the necromancy, I guess, um... You know, playing an Infernal is basically blazing your own trail um, in a way different from how Solars do it. You know, Infernals have their own infrastructure. Are are they better than Solars? I couldn't tell you. I don't know what the balance is. Uh, Infernals were so specifically balanced in 2nd edition because the guy writing the Infernal charm set, I think it was uh, Neff or another guy who has an N.E. name, they were balanced in such a way that they actually worked with the broken state of 2nd edition's mechanics. Like, they were very tight mechanically. And then the errata came out. And the errata fixed a bunch of huge issues with the system. But Infernals were written so specifically that it breaks Infernals. (laughs) So if you play with the errata for 2nd edition, Infernals don't work. Well,
1: thematically, I guess they have a head style because they have all the memories. Therefore, they can just go back to where the stashes are and get all the gear. and Yeah,
0: they can go looting. I mean, that's a cool thing. They have... Infrastructure from Hell, but you could use Malthus as a campaign setting. And Malthus, Mm -hmm. when you pay attention to the interesting thematics of Malthus, you know, that's cool to dive into. When it's not just Judo-Christian Hell, as it's portrayed in some parts of the Malthus book and the Scroll of Heroes. For some reason, they decided that Hell meant literal, like, Hell with Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Instead of just alien dimension. Yeah.
1: You gotta have an entire
0: game's... Seven Mafias never leave it because why would you want to? It's like Hellraiser. The first few Hellraiser movies, the Cenobites were weird, interesting, dimensional creatures that had morality and pleasure and and concepts completely alien to your own. That's what the Yozis are. And then in the later Hellraiser movies, they're actually demons from hell. Mm -hmm. Because... Because good ideas... The only thing separating a good idea from a bad idea is time. <laughs> time is self-reflection, like where you start jerking yourself off over how cool your original unique idea was. Howard is a perfect example of that. Cool, interesting, unique, and they kept revisiting and redefining it over and over again before it turned into schlock. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's kind of what happened with the Yozis. So, yeah, Infernals are heavily tied into a lot of the baggage from the second edition Infernals book and the Yosi material and Lilin <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's a shame because it puts a huge scorch mark on a very interesting concept. And it's also a little tragic because Infernals really brought a lot more to the game line. Like, like sales went up and people were engaged with Exalted again and the community you know, kind of exploded again after they got past the Lilin stuff. Mm. they even did they they even had an artist do a comic of it like the fuck uh what else do infernals have infernals got their own little versions of everything the infernals got sorcery from the broken ring and crane that was like infernal based infernals got their own version of magitech called hell tech I didn't mention this in the abyssals episode but abyssals had their own thing called necrotech but like hell tech was taking Third and second, or first and second circle demons, and smashing them up into artifacts and making demon weapons with eyes and mouths and lasers. They had their own version of war striders called Hell striders, which were like evangelions made from the souls of, you know, Yozis and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, engines and all of the magical material they bonded to was the magical, was like the, the magical material in creation, but based on Malfian principles, like, infected with vitriol, the the sort of liquid that Malfius produces, his liquefied hate and vengeance, <laughs> which, like, infects things and makes, like, brass infection go through the magical materials.
1: Mm. Some...
0: Which is so metal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Of course, I think it's all about metal and stuff, I guess.
0: It's really cool shit, but, you know, if you're gonna play an in Infernal, you gotta know you have to be aware of this baggage. You gotta be aware of this canon stuff that's a bunch of bullshit. But you also gotta kind of know that things are changing. Like there are hints that the new version of Infernals will automatically start with Shinte forms. Like their charms will help you build your boss battle form, which is what Shinte forms were always meant to be—a way to flip into a boss battle form. Because Infernals are villainous without being like an antagonist. It was like this kind of jokey. They have a lot of tropes from villains, mm-hmm. which is you know it's cool when spun a certain way. Um, I don't think the Devil Tigers are going to make a return, which is probably for the best, because what are you supposed to do with that? And all the stuff Devil Tigers did is now covered by Exigence. Exigence do everything Devil Tigers did. You build your own charm set, you have your own ex- Exaltation, you have your own custom Exalt type, and you don't even have to go through Essence 6 and die to get it. Yeah,
1: unless you really want to go high-end game and deal with all that stuff.
0: That's not what Exalt is focusing on in 3rd edition, though. There is no high-end game. The game at Session 1 is high-end game. Mm. You know, this kind of cosmic malarkey that Dreams of the First Age and uh, Broken Wind Crane juice that's not what Exalted's about. So, it'll be refreshing, but the, the themes of Infernals as they stand are transhumanism, because again, the only plotline for an Infernal is to stop being an Infernal. So they get this weird stuff where they start becoming more like a titan and more like a Yoshi, and they start bringing on all these different weird sorcerous aspects themselves. Um, being a, being like a banana republic tyrant.
1: Yeah I guess it's first all very self-focused that
0: you want to be generally people they just want to be you know, the best themselves or whatever. They have their own shit they want to deal with. Yeah. And they got it by reneging on a deal with the Titans. They're like, eh, and they're like, join us and help <clears throat> us do stuff. And you're like, go fuck yourself. Well, speaking of
1: the deals, like I guess we should reiterate what we said about the abyssals. There is no little Jesus in uh, exalted. You know, if you say no to cosmic power, you're the idiot.
0: Yeah, if you say no to the infernal exaltation, you'll just be killed. Like the demon will just kill you and move on to someone else. You're an idiot for saying no infernal exaltation is like the best of the three (laughs) like yeah sure you can become a solar woo but this is assuming they fix infernal exaltation but you know if a demon's like do you want to have hell powers you're like fuck yeah and then the guitar descends down on you yeah have hell powers rule over hell and you know you know, the, the Wild Hunt's like, look, it's an anathema. He has the mark of anathema on his forehead. And you're like, yeah, I'm anathema. Literally, a yozzy sorcerer came up from hell and bonded with me and gave me power. Blah, 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 These, All their, their marks are like, uh, solar-like. The Infernal Classic ones aren't. They actually look dumb. But yeah. I found a version of the marks that I like that look like the solar marks that I just use in games. Hmm. Like one of them is an hourglass. One of them is two scimitars crossed over each other. Oh, like a fire with a circle. Yeah, they're so bad. Yeah. They're so bad. Mm -hmm. An hourglass. Yeah. The fucking slim, fast cast mark. (laughs) Uh. Um, yeah. You know what? Solar's have a smiley face and a target on your forehead, so. And abyssals have an inverted one because they're the Antichrist eggs all blah 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 blah. <laughs> what? Abyssals, their they're cast marks are, are the solar ones but flipped. I am the day casting mean, you the solar. So the only one that can be upside down is the smiley face.
1: Look it up. Ah! Uh-huh. I am the day casting mean like you're a solar. No, I'm the day cast. So you're a solar, right?
0: It's like, no, the harsh day of the underworld powers me. It's like, fuck off. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. The cast. So. Uh, okay. So Shit. we got Malfias, which is the Slayer cast. The Dawn. So the Dawn cast is the Slayer cast. You got
1: Cecil, which is the Malefactor cast. Which is the Zenith. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's the Zenith priest. Okay. You got She who Lives There, name, which is the Defiler cast. Twilight. <laughs> The, Miler, wow. The other genre was the scourge cast, night cast, and the Ebon Dragon, which is the fiend cast,
0: eclipse cast. Yeah, yeah. Ebon Dragon's not the night cast; he's the deal maker. Ooh, deals are being made, Peter. Yeah, deals. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind
1: with the fiend cast. Like, oh, we can subvert the, the deals only, and lift them up. The and,
0: only <laughs> reason the Ebon Dragon was made the Eclipse cast, like the Dealmaker class, instead of the Night cast, was because they didn't have a Yozzi that would fit bureaucracy better. (laughs) Uh, With the cartoonish, two-dimensional way they portray the Yozis in 2nd edition, that is the reason. That has to be. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say about Infernals that I've got off the top of my head. No more anecdotes.
1: Uh, Well, if you want anecdotes, you can bring those two analogies of the Yozis, the whole picnic analogy and the Einstein analogy. Who are those?
0: Ah, picnics and the ants. How did that go? Well, yeah. You're at a picnic, right? And you're a yozzy. Or you're you're a titan. You're at a picnic. And all of a sudden, some ants try to get into your picnic. So you start crushing them. And then like 50,000 fucking ants start swarming you, picking you up and like throwing you in pits and stuff and biting at you and chewing at you. And the ants in this case represent like the solar exalts and stuff. So you're like, all right, fuck these ants. So you go find some spiders and you train the spiders to fight the ants. So you're gonna go and try to have your picnic again after you crawl out of this ant-filled hole, but you've also trained killer spiders to go fight the ants. And at the end of the day, do you think you're gonna have a picnic with the? With the do you think you're gonna have a picnic with the spiders after the spiders kill the ants? No, you're just gonna kill the spiders. Yeah, you're gonna fucking raid those spiders. Yeah. That is the stakes with the Titans. You are the ants, and they just set spiders on you. Neither one of you guys are making it out of that one alive. Yeah. And Einstein.
1: The whole, what is it, Yossi, if you're thinking about, oh, Einstein. Oh, shadow really the Einstein, dude. So, your mind minded like Einstein, you think, you know, in terms of the world, you're so smart that nobody else in the world could ever come close to thinking like you. You're so deep and thoughtful and so forth, and then someone comes up to you with a gun and kills you. And, you know, are, you, are they smarter than you? No. They have a gun in the Yeah,
0: <laughs> I remember that story. Yeah. Because yeah, people were like, because um, people were all like, you know, if mankind killed the yozis and mankind must be their equals. It's like, what? No. That's not how it works at all. Yeah, it's exactly that that story. You have Einstein or Tesla or any of those significant, unique-minded individuals, and a dude walks up mm-hmm. with a knife and guts them on the street for their wallet money. Um, the guy with the knife wasn't e- there. Wasn't their mental equal? Yeah, he just had a knife.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: these are how the Yozis consider this shit, and this is kind of how it is too. Yeah, you know, they, you, you you can't understand killing the Yoz- killing the Titans and turning them into the Yozis and the Neverborn does not grant you an intrinsic knowledge of how they work and how their minds work. All you succeeded in doing was overthrowing them not comprehending their true form. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, I guess the last thing, like, that you mentioned that uh, the Yozis hate you specifically, as a far as with all their power and whatever.
0: Yeah, the Yosis hate you. Yeah, each and every one of you. Personally. Yeah. So, yeah, these, these are all cautionary tales against trying to be a loyalist Infernal. You're an idiot if you do that. Unless you have rewritten the Yosis to the point where they're no longer recognizable as Titans and, like, I don't know, they're Princess Celestia from My Little Pony. To the moon. (laughs) To the moon. They will never, ever, ever be your friends. Yeah. The third edition kind of ruined that. The second edition kind of ruined that too because in first edition it was much more interesting to interact with the souls of the Mm Yozis. Like, don't interact with the Evan Dragon. Interact with Erembor. Don't interact with uh, She Who Lives in Her Name. Talk to Octavian the Living Tower. These are people of personalities who are approachable. And 2nd edition fucked that up by making the top, like, the whole concept of the Titans be the thing you interact with. And it's like, that's stupid. Don't do that. And hopefully 3rd edition brings it back to talking with the actual souls again. You know, I don't care about Malthus. Lidger's an interesting figure, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Although, to yeah, about, like, uh, the whole Inferno's, like... Why did the Titans really deal with the absolute they like, oh, these guys killed us last time. Hmm, how about we give them our infinite power, and what could possibly
0: go wrong? The Titans are desperate. <laughs> yeah. Like, in 3rd edition, it's hinted that they made the Infernal Exalted as a way to scream at the world, we're still here, even <laughs> if in 3rd edition they can never, ever escape Malpheus. It's not them planning to escape. It's not a rational act. It's them being like, we're going to take this power that you've shown us, and we're going to leave our mark on the world, so you guys can't ever forget that we were here first, and we still exist, even if you've brought us low. <laughs> That's fine. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, it puts more agency. Just like with abyssals, it puts agency back in the hands of the player and back in the hands of the exalt, and it makes the titans some sort of cool, interesting aspect of your exaltation that you can explore and even get resources from. You can work with the yozis. You know, not for being free from Malpheus but for whatever they could want. And in return, you know, get like a like, like a dialogue and a rapport going. We well, even like, you know, if you're set out just to leave the mark
1: of the Yozhi in the world, that could be good enough Like go, you know, conquer yeah, the but, direction. Yeah, but through that something. lens,
0: you can yeah. go back and work with the Yozis yeah. on stuff. Like, Malpheus might have people he wants killed and shit. Yeah. Like, individual little people. And you're like, yeah, I'll do that. But you gotta do something for me in return. And Malpheus yeah. will.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot you could do with something like, oh, you've got the whole cigarette, the play of the games, there's probably a lot of things you could do with that thing, out of that to settle, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, being champions of Hell and actually, like, being able to interact and work with and assist the residents of Hell and, like, you know, be a part of their lives, that's interesting. Yep. I think that's it, though. Yep. Seems like it. I don't think there's anything else we could do, to, we could talk about the OZs. yeah. Um, Probably
1: talking about Malfias the setting. Nah, that's
0: some other time. That's a totally each Yose himself could be his own episode. But Infernals brought a lot to the game. Not all of it was good, but all of it made waves. And Infernals really shook up how people thought of Exalted for better or for worse. It, It made a lasting impact that are still that's still being talked about and felt today. Infernals was. Infernal brought Exalted into the conversation again, and it kept the conversation going for years afterwards. It was a necessary infusion of new material into the setting, and I'm sure everyone would wish that it was done handled better. But even as it was, a positive change for the game. Yep. So I think that's it for Infernal Exalted. Yep. So I am Devin. And Peter. And this is sponsored by Nobody. Signing off.
1: Our future depends powerfully on how well we understand this cosmos, which we float like a boat of dust in the morning sky.